you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to another episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, we have Jason Asbido as a guest, and we are going to speak especially about manufacturing and entrepreneurship because uh, Jason uh, actually is in business since since his early age and uh, he has been uh, successful by 18 he already was doing uh, millions in business and uh, he's owning manufacturing company based uh, in Silicon Valley California and uh, I would really love to hear more about this hi Jason it's great to have you on the podcast how's it going I'm excited to be on here yeah yeah great uh, great that you're here uh, because uh, we have a lot of guests, uh, but uh, now I can see that people tr- uh, tend to have uh, business in services and IT businesses, and uh, not so many people are courageous enough to start manufacturing businesses. So I would really love to hear your story. How did you decide to start in business? What motivated you? And how did you get to where you are right now? Well, um, yes, manufacturing is definitely something that not a lot of, you you don't get as many people jumping into, um, especially nowadays. Um, So we got our start back. I was 15. My brother was 20. Um, and we started a t-shirt printing company of all things. And that company kind of morphed and built. And as we grew it, we started to learn that there were certain tricks and like processes that you could put into a manufacturing plant and make it more and more successful and, and stronger, and more profitable. So what happened with that is we started learning other parts of manufacturing and go, okay, well, how about sheet metal? How about plastics? How about printing? And what we started to learn, it's a good rule just in business. You start looking for those common denominators and where where every different style really makes sense. Because at the end of the day, when you're running a business, it's often like a recipe. You've got kind of a bunch of ingredients. The really good cooks can play with ingredients that other people don't understand or don't see. And they, they can do it straight from their hip. The people who aren't so good can take all the best ingredients in the world, but they can't follow the recipe correctly. So we just continually do that with businesses. And like you said, um, like you touched on, there's not a ton of people running into manufacturing. So with our private equity fund, what we've actually started doing is from where we used to build manufacturing companies. And now our primary focus is we're out buying legacy manufacturing companies that are oftentimes the owners are ready to retire, but there's not a huge pack of people coming in to buy these because people have a lot of kind of pre- conceived notions of, of that industry. Uh, so we, we have a great opportunity to buy these great profitable companies and bolt them together. Yeah, this is a, such an interesting story that, uh, and you started when you were 15, right? Yeah, uh, it was so, it, it, amazing. Yeah. So uh, do you think that, you know, what did you learn uh, when uh, starting a business at such a young age? Uh, do you think that uh, it it gave you uh, you know deeper insight uh, to business right now? 
Yeah. Um, so I'll kind of set the stage a little bit. Um, and I think most people can remember this time. We started a business in February of 2007. And as everyone knows, come towards the end of 2007, early 2008, the markets all drop out. So we got a bunch of people around us telling us, oh, no, it's a horrible time to start a business. You guys are going to you're going to lose everything you have this. But of course, every person who's telling us this is someone who's never done it before. It's people who've, who've never ran a business, never, never focused on that being their skill set. But there are, oh, no, 5,000 reasons why you're going to fail. Well, I remember my brother and I turning to each other and going, we, we have $600. We, like, we're going to lose everything what? <laughs> so being that young, you have so little to risk and so little to lose that you can get scrappy. You, I mean, we, years we never took money out of our businesses and, and, and just kept the, the cash flowing because that's what was funding all of our growth. Um, and, and that's stuff that at older ages, when you have a family relying on you, that's harder to do. When you're 15, I mean, who cares? It's, it's really not going to be a, uh, your, your risk is very, very low. Um, so we, I'm very glad we started at that age. Uh, there's of course pitfalls where, Hey, we've never had real jobs. So it's sometimes been weird to be like, what is it to work like to work for other people? So there's trade-offs. Yeah. Yeah. And I like your analogy that uh, you said that business is like uh, having this uh, recipe with all the ingredients. And I think that in the beginning, when you start, especially when you start at a young age, but, you know, in any age, I would say, there are a lot of ingredients that you don't know, you know, what are the ingredients and what, what to do, actually. So how do you, how do you think we can cope with, uh, with such an uncertainty that we, we don't know what to do sometimes? So I, 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 like, the, I, I like your word uncertainty because it, you will never get past uncertainty. You will all, forever be uncertain. And there will always be new tools coming out. And I mean, there's new debt mechanisms even that come out on businesses and all sorts of stuff. So really, it's just kind of starting, um, especially if you're starting young or, or any age for that matter. Go talk to people. I, the amount of times that I see people that don't feel comfortable talking to, their, to what they perceive as their competitors or people in other industries, like we were in manufacturing, very, very focused in manufacturing, but some of the best tools and knowledge that we, I use every day, I actually have gotten from friends that are in the tech sector because the manufacturing sector doesn't do things that way. But we were able to take tidbits from other industries and plug them in. So really just sharing as much information and, and, and get, your, get your ego in check and be able to tell people, I'm having this problem. And you'd be amazed how many people will come in and help you. And especially at that starting phase. Because at the end of the day, when you're starting, you're really not a threat to anybody. So everyone will work with you. As you get bigger and bigger and bigger, now you become a threat. And now people are afraid to, to go against you and afraid to share information with you. I, even no matter what size we are at, I always feel free to share information with people because I hope that they would share it with me back. But at the, that smaller stage, people get excited to help you. 
because it's like, I can make an influence on this and save you five years of headache. So really it's just get the ego in check, understand that everybody's uncertain. That this is not, that, that there's nobody sitting there going, I figured it all out. That it's just not the case. Yeah, absolutely. I think that so many people underestimate having having a mentor, having a coach, and just you know asking someone for for advice, someone who already been there. Many people think that oh, now I'm on my own. I need to figure it all out. But in fact, a lot of people are willing to help, willing to share their knowledge, and uh, uh, you know even even uh, myself, I have uh, I've been through. Uh, a couple of uh, business coaching programs and when people reach out to me and they say can you help me i'm just you know giving them the, this knowledge i'm not only I, i'm recommending them some of the programs of course but i'm sharing the knowledge myself and uh, i i do it very often for free with my friends with people that i know that, because you know this is uh this is how uh, we support each other, right? I'm supporting people and they're supporting me back. So uh, I, I totally agree with you on this. And um, Jason, I wanted to ask you about uh, your passion for uh, revitalizing manufacturing, that what uh, you're doing. So why do you think that it is important now, especially that we have this... Um, trend that uh, we, we don't do manufacturing uh, you know in-house we, we we are ordering something that uh, well, that might be cheaper and uh, you have this passion for actually um, revitalizing manufacturing in the u.s so why and and what benefits do you see in this so um i want to touch on that there's a misnomer that you, that you uh touched on that a lot of people are still repeating. And it's that it's cheaper to produce somewhere else. That is not necessarily the case. And oftentimes it, it actually is fiscally more viable to produce in the US than other places. If you don't, if someone doesn't believe that, uh, there's a really easy example. The number one contract manufacturer in China is building a production plant in Wisconsin. So other groups have now ran the numbers and figured out it's in the US. But what does that mean? And it, that's where the revitalization part has to come in. And what we're what I'm so passionate about is you can't just do it the way you've always done it and then also expect it to be fiscally viable. That has limited innovation, limited growth. What's got to happen is there's there's a transition point right now where the te technology, automation, all of that, that barrier to entry is drastically dropped in. Uh, because of worldwide economics, uh, transportation costs, um, the fact that the U.S. consumes so many products, it is better to do it closer to home. The, 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 the metrics on that are just very, very clear. So how do you revitalize these, these companies? And like I said, we go and we buy very good profitable, strong American manufacturers. And usually the owner has done a great job and has decided, hey, I'm, I'm about to retire. I don't want to go through the energy of getting the, this company to the next decade and bringing in all that tech, bringing in tech, bringing in processes, changing how you things function. So we come in and go, hey, let us take your, le your legacy and let's bring it forward to that next sector. And you can revi you revitalize the people, the businesses. The uh, if 
most people, when they think of a factory or manufacturing plant, they have a very old picture in their head, very dark, dingy, grease being thrown around all over the place. Well, if you look at the inside of one of our plants, they're, they're well lit, they're safe. The machines are, are, are got safety systems coming out, out all directions. And if you look at like a video of, of the new Tesla uh, plant in Fremont or in uh, Texas, it's got white floors, bright lighting. Like it's nothing like that picture stuck in our head. Well, that is the revitalization. It's taking companies from that dingy, gr grungy old picture that everyone's got stuck in their head to this new high tech, great place to work. And that is the process that these companies are going through. And a lot of companies will go through in the next four or five years. Yeah, it, it would be great if all uh, factories looked like Tesla Gigafactory, <laughs> all yeah. white and shiny. It would be really nice. I actually, I have a lot of original Tesla employees that work for our firm and they keep on begging me to never do white floors. <laughs> <laughs> they're so hard to keep clean <laughs> yeah yeah probably it is but it looks nice on pictures yes, and videos though <laughs> yeah yeah so um and uh, you uh, also you're saying that uh, it is important uh, to local communities uh to invest in what was known as low jobs why do you think that uh, we need to Invest so, to, to think about this. So manufacturing specifically, unlike almost any other industry, has a very, very special superpower. When you go into a manufacturing plant, the barrier to entry to making a lot of money is very, very low. If you show up, you're a good worker, you pay attention, you, you take training as it's offered you, manufacturer will train workers on, on site. They, they're not asking for massive educations as you enter the, the building. They pay, they pay well, they, and with the modern era of equipment and tech and ergonomics and process and all of these things that have come so far, these are no longer grueling jobs. So if we can go into a local community and, and one of the, the pillars of, uh, of our company is we, we do everything we can to not have the, the, the facilities leave the community which they're in. Because oftentimes, especially in smaller rural communities, a single manufacturing plant could actually employ a significant portion of the population. So if we can come in, increase employee wellness, uh, make sure the, the jobs stay in that, that area. Now we've got employees leaving work. And instead of it being a gr their bodies hurting or being grueling work or, or they're exhausted or they're not making enough money, so they're having to work multiple jobs. All of that, but instead, you when someone goes home, they are rested, they're happy, they're fulfilled in their work. Think about what that person does when they go into their community. Instead of going home and sitting on the couch watching TV because they can barely move, they're going and going and coaching the local t-ball team, or they're going and they're going something as simple as they're going to eat at a restaurant tonight. So the person who owns the restaurant, the person who works at the restaurant, they are making an income. So. Manufacturing companies have this special position where they can offer good paying work that can fulfill people, that has low barriers to entry, and still make great, great profit. So that's we are so focused on those communities and how 
how they function as, a, as an aspect of our manufacturing companies. We actually went a step further. When we liquidate the private, private equity funds so that our investors can get their liquidation date, we are actually going to do it through 100% stock transfer to the employees. So the employees that live in those local communities will own the companies that, that operate there. So that in perpetuity, the people helping make the decisions of where that those jobs will go and how they will function are the people that actually live in those communities. And th this is an absolute pillar to the futures of, uh, frankly, our, our, our country, our communities, our, our lifestyles, our way of life. We can revitalize the, the jobs and the companies, the surrounding communities, and then the communities that touch those, all of them increase and end up in a much better place. Yeah, that sounds awesome. If I mean, um, maybe not in all industries it is possible. I think because in some industries it is, it would not um, pay off to to pay uh, workers a good salary so that they can go eat at restaurants, and uh, instead of you know ordering certain things uh, from from out of the US. So do you think that there are there is maybe future to certain industries and maybe uh, no no hope for for others? I, I would disagree there. Um, I think realistically, everyone can do a better job. I mean, surely by just treating your people well. I mean, nothing else. It costs nothing to actually care about the people and and care about the company. So just that. If people aren't going home saying, I hate, I hate the company I work for every day, that alone revitalizes the community. So I, now manufacturing has a special spot that it can do it with a lot more firepower. And it is the time in history that it has the best opportunity to do so. But I believe all, all industries can use this same playbook and execute on really helping people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, What is uh, what is your process to make to make things more efficient? That is a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> so efficiency, when we really look at it, first first and foremost, cleanliness. I mean, you'd be amazed how just being clean makes everybody more efficient and frankly feel better. If you work in a clean environment, you. Uh, all studies show you are happier. You work in a dirty environment, you, you, it drags you down. But there's a lot of tools that we use. Uh, first off, we always, we're always looking for ways to include new tech. Uh, tech. You'd be amazed how many companies are running on technology that's 30 years old. The last five years have been a little bit crazy in the whole advancement of technology. And what's happening is the cost of it is drastically plummeting. So we always are looking for any place that is adding physicality to a worker's job. Can we use some mechanism, some tool, some robot, some anything to take that strain off of their bodies? That is the, the, the first piece. Because if somebody's body isn't tired, they are more efficient. So the, the, we're not reinventing space and time here. It's really looking at the, the, the simple building blocks that do this. And what, where we get our massive growth is the simple laws of compounding interest. 
is we make the person a little less tired. We make sure that there's a little bit more uh, quality of machinery. We're, we're making them happier any way we can. I mean, we try to do as many just barbecues, hangouts, just, hey guys, we just want to, this is something to enjoy. You spend more than, more than a third of your life at work and most people dread Monday morning. That is crazy. So how do you make it? So I, I've, I've got an employee, he started with us uh, he, probably five, six years ago. And when he started with us, he had worked at a factory his whole life. And he had kind of been, his, his body was sore. And he, and he just, that, that company always had problems between management and operations, employees. And just, it was not a, a happy place to be. So the first year or two that he worked with us, um, he's very reserved, very locked down. And wouldn't really talk to anybody, just kind of came in and did what he wanted and left. Well, over time, we, we softened him up. And we actually, uh, he, he took some time off because of COVID and he comes back in one day and he goes, my wife says I'm a happier person when I come to work. And I, and I agree with her. So he's supposed to have retired for three years now. And he goes, I just, this place adds value to my life. I want to keep, and we're like, Hey, we love having you. You're, you're awesome. But to watch that transition from kind of a, a jaded hard individual to a team player who's saying this is part of my family and my life here that is that's when you know it's working <laughs> and now we have the biggest advocate in the building because he's like hey i used to be crusty and, and jaded but i'm telling you just listen things actually work when when we relax a little bit yeah, that must be it. Must be so rewarding to hear such words from an employee. It really is. It's there. It's one of those times that you're sitting there going, "Wow, it it works." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, Jason, what would you recommend to our listeners who are planning to start their businesses and who are maybe at this point where they don't know where to start, they, they don't know what is important and what is less important. Um, what would you recommend as a mentor? What is, you know, most challenging thing? What is, uh, what's to, what to start with? So the first and foremost thing that you got to do, put a date down that you're going to start. Okay. It's there. You will never outthink your business plan. You will never get it perfectly right. So just put a date so that you create some sense of urgency. Now, if you choose that date as two years from next Tuesday, fine. Whatever you want it to be, but write the date down. And then go start trying to find people who've done it before and tell them, here's my date. I want, I need to have it figured out by then how to start. That will create urgency in you. That will create urgency in anybody willing to help you. That'll get rid of people who are not going to be of help to you because if they start saying, oh, you can't do it by that day, you won't do it that day, it's going to fail by that day. Tell those people, unless you highly respect their opinion and they've done this a million times, push those people aside because you just created a way to filter out who's actually there to help you and who's there aiming for you to fail. And it, I see this with young or early entrepreneurs all the time. They can't filter out what people's motivations are. And you need to wrap your mind around that is why is this person saying it to me? And what motivates this person? And all too often, people who've never started a business before, the reason why is because of fear. 
and they're no, oh, but it could fail. I could lose everything. Fine. But if you've already committed to do it, don't listen to those people. They, they, you, that is their motivating factor is the fear. You, it, you want to be around people who their motivating factor is winning and, and getting to the top of that list. So go find those people. And when you tell them I'm doing it on this date, you'll, you'll watch the change in how they respond to you. And that is incredibly important that you, that the, if somebody turns to you and goes, you want to get it done by next month? Okay, well, um, the only way you're going to be able to do that is these five things. Good, go do those five things right away. But the date is what does it, is I am committed to pulling it off by this date. And I will tell you, the closer that day gets, the more nervous you're going to get because you're like, okay, I, I, am I really ready for this? But just do it and, and just figure it out and push on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. I think that it uh, it is a great advice for everything in life <laughs> if we're <laughs> hesitating to do anything just put a date in and you know start ask someone how to do it and start doing it yeah i think that uh, actually it is great because uh, many problems are connected with uh, our inner uh, doubts and and uh, imposter syndrome oh maybe can i do it can i do it um, do I have enough knowledge and experience to do this? And I will say, other than a handful of my friends at the, and acquaintances at some of the top levels of business in the world, other than them, or even of them, most of them still deal with imposter syndrome. Most of them still deal with, uh, with uncertainty. Most of them still deal with fear. I've seen, I, I've seen billionaires worried it doesn't go away who you are surrounded by and who you're working with and how you deal with that feeling when it comes up or what really what really changes it. uh it's they, they don't everyone's like oh one day i'm gonna not feel these oh no you're gonna feel all of them and there's gonna be days you're gonna feel them all at the same time I, and we, we've had this where we are elated happy amazing I get news that we've just landed millions in contracts, this and that. Get a phone call that a uh, plant caught on fire. And you're just like, what, which one? Am, like, how, what emotion do I get? And then I am very fortunate that my team is very, very strong. Um, I, and, and I highly trust, respect, and love all of my G. But we are nothing alike. And that's what makes us special. We all know what each other's emotional triggers are. We all know what each other's downfalls are. We all know what each other's uh, high sides are. And we watch for each other because when fear, when uncertainty is creeping in, I've got a team around me and, and I, I, I internalize a lot of stuff. I take, I take things very much. I'm going to take them on and I'll watch them circle around me and go, Jason, you're internalizing. Let's, let's, let's bring this back out. Or another person is like, Hey, you take losses very roughly. So I, w when we have a loss, I, I know I need to give you a little extra time to say, it's not you, it's, it's just part of the game. So really, the, the feelings don't go away, but you can build the tools to deal with them. And that is incredibly important because if you get scared one day and you've got all this fear because, oh, I'm going to lose the company or something. If you keep on going down that spiral, you will lose the company. If someone on your team turns to you and goes, hey, this is just like in 2008, markets dropped out. We picked up all sorts of new clients because of it. 
that that change is what you need. Yeah, it is so inspirational. I think that uh, definitely all uh, entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, the beginners need to adopt this mindset to uh, deal with challenges, to not to uh, worry too much and to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons that life gives you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, uh, Jason, thank you so much for all the tips and ideas that you shared on, on our show. Uh, if our listeners want to contact you, want to reach out, ask you a couple of questions, where can they find you? The absolute bit best place is going to be mrca.net. Um, there are links on there. If you're interested in investing in our fund, uh, please, uh, for accredited investors, go check it out. Uh, we're doing some really cool stuff on that side. If you want to just talk to me or pick my brain or ask questions, there is a contact form on there. There is also a way on there to schedule a private meeting with me. Um, like I said, we we truly function ourselves from a place of we sh- we share, we help with information. So you have access to me or any of the other GPs right there, and we will take the meetings and we can talk about anything. If it's, hey, I'm just starting out my business, I have no clue what I'm doing, or hey, I've been running my business for 20 years and I, I something weird's going on. Can I run a bike? We're there. We we. From the website, you're more than uh, more than welcome. Schedule a meeting, we'll, and we'll take it. We'll we'll talk it through. Perfect, perfect. So we'll put the link under our episodes uh, in the show notes, so that if someone is interested in investing or in reaching out, they can click the link immediately. Thank awesome. you so much, Jason, for being on Ideas and Leaders. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.